0: Well, UCLA basketball and football getting big-time commits over the weekend. Let's get ready to rock and roll here on Locked On UCLA. You are Locked On UCLA, your daily podcast on the UCLA Bruins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On UCLA podcast. I'm your host, Zach Anderson. Yoxheimer. Now coming up on close to a year of hosting and the relaunching of this podcast and a broadcaster as well. Diehard Bruins fan. Thanks for making this podcast your first listen each and every day. It's free where we get your podcast and it's available on YouTube. So like comment and subscribe. Thank you for your support. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more by visiting FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Well, the Bruins over the weekend, I was teasing before that they're waiting on their first potential class of 24 commit. Then football is getting big news. We're going to start with Mick Cronin's squad. While it isn't any 23 news, right, that they're waiting on an Adai Mara, official signing, they're waiting on maybe... Burke Buyung Tunchel to potentially fill out that roster spot in addition to the assistant coaching position Mick Cronin's got to get. It is nice to get some sort of news in the recruiting front, considering the Bruins had already offered the likes of Eric Freeney, the guard out of Corona Centennial, a guy who had been leaning UCLA. He had been interviewed at the Section 7 tournament out in Glendale, Arizona. That was a couple of weekends ago, I believe, maybe a week ago. The the days in the summer just kind of fly by so much. It was, I think, a week ago. Yeah, it was at the end of June, one of those days. And he was interviewed, and it looked like, based on where things were trending, he had taken two official visits, UNLV and then UCLA. Even rivals thought maybe Cal had a chance But the way and the perspective it was coming out was that Eric Freeney was going to be a Bruin. And after a wait and him saying, yeah, in the next week or so, I'll make my decision or announce my decision, Freeney all of a sudden commits to UCLA and he's a Bruin. Their first class of 24 commit. I talked about how in that weekend or within the week, the Bruins had initially offered a 6'11 product, Maki Diouf, who is from Arizona and that's a guy UCLA is looking at as a big man to replace some of these big men coming in or maybe coming in this year. But it's a guard in Eric Franey who's only a three-star. So he could be someone that is, quote-unquote, slept on, right? A SoCal product who, with the recruiting strategy the Bruins used, they we used Rod Palmer. And what Franey told 24-7 Sports was that he chose UCLA because it's a program I fit into Coach Cronin and my coach from Corona Centennial are really alike. And I feel like person my personality really fits in with the program. I'm talking about how UCLA is a program that has straight dogs who plays dudes who play with chips on their shoulders, they shoot the ball and play defense. And that's why he chose them. He only took the his official visit to Westwood on June 20th, which was the last official visit he took before his announcement. And that's all he needed to do to truly become a Bruin. Overall, what was this comparison? Apparently, the UCLA coaching staff compared him to Johnny Juzang. And what Fringy says is he can shoot the ball, plays a lot of two feet like me, off of two feet in describing Johnny Juzang. And he was even compared to Jaime Hawkins, a Bruin who just got drafted by the Miami Heat, two Bruins who are currently in the NBA. So in terms of being that grinded-out player who, when he was interviewed a few weeks ago, or a week ago, I should say, is someone who mentioned, yes, the NBA is a focus, but not the priority. I want to win a college championship. This isn't in the 24-7 sports article. But he's someone who is the 11th-ranked player in the state of California, just outside the top 100 nationally, a three-star guy. And while we might sit here and debate the UCLA going after a three-star, I was reading after a, a fan-sided page, a Sports Illustrated page, saying Frini might be getting pushed towards a four-star rating within the next – recruiting cycle or within the next couple of weeks i'm not sure how long that might make or who truly decides how many stars or rankings whatever it means it'll be a year before he puts on a brewing uniform but he's committed to ucla and it's nice to get some sort of news for the class of 24 which brings back to the point all the works and all the discussions about is ucla going after the five-star domestic products or they going after more international guys Will they get maybe a blue collar guy within their own state hey Go in the Inland Empire, think of Jalen Clark. You've got Rod Palmer making that connection. And the Bruins said, hey, this is a guy where Mick Cronin wants someone who can play defense, listens, isn't playing for the NIL money or to leave after a year. Not that Franny Cantor won't, but he wants guys to help develop the program. You need a couple of different players, right? You need that super talented one or two guys that can come in and truly change your team for a year or two. And then you need those guys who are going to stay for more than a year, more than two years, as we saw Tiger Campbell do, as we saw Jaime Hawkes Jr. do, right? Those guys who stayed four years and turned UCLA into a competitive program, once again, going from what was the end of the Alford era into a Final Four and a couple of Sweet 16s. And maybe Freeney can be the first of a few recruits, depending on what stays from the class of 23 or what stays from the years prior into the next year. And while there's still a lot of question marks about this year's roster, the Bruins, it's not an international recruit. It is someone who is in their own backyard. And while they still got to figure out who's going to lead the point in terms of going after international recruits or if this just a two-year cycle of going after guys outside of the US, it's nice to see the Bruins go in their backyard. Surprising that's not a five-star, but the Bruins nonetheless get a guy who is a hard worker who has been compared to Zang and Hawkes. And what he says about himself, Eric Freeney, they're getting a straight dog and a player that wants to win. I feel with a player like me, we can really win a championship and do this. And Bruins fans, those are words we all want to hear as UCLA looks to end that drought heading into either 23-24 this year, or by the time Freeney gets to campus, 24-25, which means he's their first official recruit that will be playing in the Big Ten and won't know what Pac-12 play looks like. So he will be in Big Ten country for his UCLA career. It's coming sooner, faster than we think. But here we are, UCLA hoops. They got their first commit of 24. And that's not the only big commitment of the week. Football, they've got some big-time stuff happening too. They're stacking up their class of 24 commits. I'll tell you more about that coming up next on Locked On UCLA. Let's talk to you more about FanDuel Sportsbook because FanDuel – is America's number one sports book and you're missing out on all the fun happening right now. Baseball's in first in full swing and you should take your full sw- your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. Yes, that's 20 bucks if you bet you'll land $200 in bonus bets win or lose. And all you have to do is go to FanDuel.com slash on and you can get up to $200 in bonus bets by going to FanDuel.com slash on. It's an app that's super safe, secure, and easy to use. And when you win, you get paid instantly. Everybody loves that. FanDuel is an official partner of Major League Baseball and with us at Locked On. Cruising on into segment two for Locked On UCLA, we talked Eric Freeney segment one. It was just a wait of a week, and he finally committed to UCLA. Mick Cronin has to be happy about that. But Chip Kelly, hey, he's not the only one. He's he's joining Mick Cronin. Mick Cronin's not the only one who's getting recruits. Chip Kelly finally lands another. UCLA getting their ninth commit for the class of 24. And while they haven't updated it on the 24-7 sports rankings in terms of football commits, the Bruins, before the Jones commitment, were in the top 60. And depending on if you looked at the Pac-12 rankings, they were amongst the top. But in the Big Ten rankings, they'd be near the bottom of the conference when it came to recruiting rankings. All in all, as we know, UCLA will fill up a lot of their roster probably after the season with the transfer portal and maybe a sneaky late five-star steal like they did in Dante Moore, but they did in 23, 22, heading into 23. So coming into the weekend, the Bruins had eight commits, Mark Schroller, Rob Booker, who is the commit they flipped from Wisconsin, the 6'6 tight end. Christian Dunbar-Hawkins, the 3-4 to four star safety who has been committed since January. He was the first commitment for UCLA. Marquise Thorpe-Taylor, Joshua Gland Jensen Somerville, Blake Tabarachi, and Isaiah Patterson. A lot of those guys are mostly offensive linemen and defensive players, largely in the front seven for UCLA. And since the middle of May, UCLA has gotten seven of their nine commitments. Remember I told you guys around Memorial Day, it's now we're approaching 4th of July, isn't that crazy, that they're hosting a lot of recruits. That was going to be a big transformational weekend for the Bruins moving forward into the Big Ten. And they've already got seven commits. Now they've got a couple of skill positions, right? You've got Rob Booker II, who just came in, decommitted from Wisconsin, going to UCLA. And now Cameron Jones, another local product, from St. John Bosco, there was rumors from multiple 24-7 sports experts that he was crystal bald to him, predicting him to go to UCLA. And after was all said and done, apparently he's been a Bruin for so long that he quietly, verbally committed to Deshaun Foster a long time ago. But the big thing is he had been leaning UCLA for months and one of the reasons why this three-star product, is running back, who is supposed to be another one of those Chip Kelly favorites, those big, bruising tailbacks that can help fill the mold, right? You went from Joshua Kelly at the beginning of the Chip Kelly tenure. You go with Zach Charbonnet. We hope Carson Steele and whoever rolls with Steele. And this year, maybe next is the same. And maybe Jones in the future to the Big Ten. Those stereotypical big, taller, stronger backs that Kelly loves to utilize – he waited until July 2nd to make his decision because it's his dad's. Fa- it was his father's birthday, and he talked about how his father had passed away a few years ago, and it was always his dream for him to go play college football, especially at the Power Five level. So he had actually silently committed to Deshaun Foster, I believe, in either early June, early July, and wanted to announce it and wait as he took his official visit to UCLA. Someone who goes to St. John Bosco, battled through injury, still ran over for 1,000 yards and quite a few touchdowns. And, you know, it, it, the big thing is Jones said UCLA began to recruit him harder. Coach Foster was hitting him every day. When he had surgery earlier in the in the year, surgery recently, he was always checking him in, Deshaun Foster. So a guy that is goes kind of supposed to really continue the trend that UCLA goes. They don't always get those smaller tailbacks speedy tailbacks like Kaz Allen maybe is what Chip Kelly had back at Oregon they're getting stronger bigger durable running backs and building up the running back room and Jones could be another one of those underrated guys and this is what Jones said was quoted as saying he he said the UCLA offense and the scheme fit played a big role for him Quote, UCLA loves to run the football. Chip Kelly has always been able to run the football, and they like big backs as well. TJ Harden is there now, and he was my host on my visit. He's a big back who had a good freshman season, who will be at least a junior, if not gone, by the time he gets there. There's Jones. They had Zach Charbonnet the last few seasons, and I've been compared to him, and he was a great player. I've watched film on my visit, and it's a fun offense. I can definitely see myself having a lot of success there. And while he says the location's cool, he, it wasn't a big factor. It's the fact that, yeah, it's close to home, but it was a perfect fit for him. A 6'2, 220 pound back, a power back that was a high end three star with an 88 rating with lots of potential transfer to St. John Bosco. If you remember, come on, guys, if you guys don't know St. John Bosco by now, they're the local powerhouse in SoCal, along with modern day in national high school football rankings. So he ran for over 1,000 yards, 18 touchdowns had eight catches for 100 yards and two more scores. This is a guy who, if he was giving the ball every single play, could have even more gaudy stats in high school. But as what he's quoted as being able to do, a good straight-line speed back, physical, who can run through tacklers, wear down defenses, and has shown the ability to haul in passes out of the backfield and is tough to bring down in the open field. So those are all important things for UCLA as they're just kind of bringing in guys. They're cycling in different tailbacks, and after they went a lot of big linemen, they went with the defense. They bring in the skill tight end. They bring in another bruising tailback. And while UCLA's class might be might not be the most exciting to look at, if you go by numbers and analytics and people who get excited about stars and rankings between the on threes, the rivals, the 24-7 sports, even ESPN's rankings, Jones is one of those guys that's going to come in and we hope fills the mold and continues the tradition for Chip Kelly big guys who break tackles and are very fast and can kind of do it both ways from the Charbonnets to the Kellys. We hope it's steel. And now eventually to what could be their first big 10 tailback officially in Cameron Jones, the ninth UCLA commit. I haven't seen any shifting up in the, the rankings for recruiting since Jones committed, cause he's not updated yet, but that's the ninth commit seventh since the middle of may as UCLA continues to build bigger and bigger things For Big Ten country and you got to have big strong backs running potentially in the cold running through those big defensive lines when you're playing the Iowa's and the Nebraska's let alone the Michigan's and the Ohio State's of the world and the Penn State's the Bruins they're building and now it's just we can't wait for them to put it on the field in 23 and eventually in 24 both basketball and football are building bigger bigger and better things moving forward coming up speaking about Big Ten I'm going to compare some programs some women's programs about reading an article from Saturday Out West Sports, I think if I got that correct, and they talked about which programs could do good and bad, which ones might struggle and get a good wake-up call heading to the Big Ten. We'll talk about some women's programs that could really succeed or fall down a couple of notches based on what they're doing moving to the Big Ten. Cruising on to the final segment of Locked On UCLA today, Zach Anderson-Yox, I'm with you guys. And one of the biggest things... I want to talk about we did briefly discuss over the recent episode the year anniversary of the Bruins intro Trojans announcing leaving the Pac-12 going to the Big 10 and then now it's the look forward what's going to look what's it going to look like for some of these UCLA programs especially on the women's side who will compete who's going to step take a few notches back what's it going to look like when you move to Big 10 country and all the travel, which isn't necessarily going to affect the Bruins football team as much other than that first year when they have a crazy schedule. We're looking at the women's side. So one of the first things, reading this SaturdayOutWest.com article, a nice little article written by John Gold within the last few days since the recording of this podcast. It says, UCLA softball moving from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten, they go from competing every year with top-tier competition between Arizona Washington, Stanford, up and down the Pac-12, right? Utah beating UCLA in the Pac-12 tournament. So you go from a team that you see top 25 competition in just about every conference series, you're going to go into the Big Ten where no one in the Big Ten has won a championship since 2005, while UCLA has won four championships since 03, 13 overall, and will be clearly one of the best teams in the Big Ten, and will be the biggest, baddest team, as this article says, in the Big Ten as soon as they join. So you're going to go from being tested weekly to maybe they're going to load up. They're going to load up that preseason schedule more than they've already done with all these crazy tournaments, just because conference play won't be as tough as it's been in years past. Expect the Bruins to dominate conference wise, despite their disappointing finish here in 23. But hey, Kelly Inouye-Perez has got her program rolling, and someone's got to end that Oklahoma reign. and it might happen once UCLA gets the Big Ten country. Another thing looking at for programs, UCLA women's soccer, they just coming off a national championship in that thrilling victory over North Carolina. Remember, they scored two late goals, including one practically at the death of regulation before winning in overtime to beat the Tar Heels and Marguerite Elzasa's first season. She's been getting more and more Interviews as we're building now to the fall sports season. UCLA's got their second national championship, I think, within the last decade or so. Four runner-up finishes and 12 semifinal berths since 2000. And you're going to play against some programs listed as Penn State, Rutgers, Ohio State. So while the Bruins have always had to compete with the Stanfords of the world and strong USC squads in Pac-12 play, Moving to the Big Ten, it'll still be some tough competition, a lot more travel, especially a little later. It might get a little colder earlier as opposed to playing in some warmer SoCal weather, warmer West Coast weather when it's September, October, maybe early November, as opposed to when they go play these other teams across the country. It'll be a bit colder, so we'll see how they adjust to those and the travel when they play those. Thursday, Sunday games have to fly back, recover, get back to classes. That's all the things they're having to develop and prepare for within the next year for Marguerite Aozasa. but overall, the Bruins, women's soccer, they'll still be in a competitive conference, but it may not be as crazy competitive at the top like it was with Stanford, SC, and other Pac-12 programs. UCLA women's volleyball, well, hey, that's the biggest question of them all, right? you've got some of the biggest scariest programs in the Big 10 across the country in women's volleyball and while UCLA and say USC they've all had their volleyball success the Bruins who haven't won a national championship in women's volleyball indoor since 2011 they are playing Wisconsin, Nebraska, Minnesota, Ohio State and they're going to play some other tough tough competition in non-conference play these places will sell out their venues and have rocking environments which UCLA is not accustomed to playing in day in and day out during their time in the Pac-12, it's going to be a wake-up call, a big wake-up call. What Saturday Out West Sports says, it says, and I'm going to agree, the biggest wake-up call will probably be for women's volleyball, not football. Women's volleyball. I mean, you could debate about all those things too, but when it comes on the women's side, it'll definitely be an important growth period for women's volleyball. They've got to step it up. I know they got the new coach. Everything is building into a Big Ten run where you've got to step up your recruiting game, bring up the fans to Poly Pavilion because these Big Ten fans will travel and sell out their arenas. And they've been dominating the landscape of women's volleyball. So we'll see how that goes for women's volleyball as they play some tough competition. And then last but not least, women's basketball, right? You've got Corey Close who's been putting in great recruiting classes time and time again, right? You're building in big-time players, getting big-time recruiting classes, and you've had to battle with USC, who's got the top recruit. You've got Stanford, who's been a perennial power. Arizona, all sorts of Pac-12 talent. Oregon State for times. Oregon for times. Up and down the conference. Even Utah was doing big things. Colorado's been tough. All the programs basically in the Pac-12 are practically postseason good, nearly from top to bottom. And then you're going to move to a Big Ten who – might have to grow and have a clearer path to prominence is what this article says. No big 10 school has won a national championship since Purdue in 1999, which is now 24 going into 25 years without once they play the tournament next year in 24 without a championship. And while we do like the idea that Ohio state was good and we have the likes of Iowa with Caitlin Clark being super exciting by the time the Bruins get there, That'll be long over. And could they, with a building class with these sophomores, soon to be juniors, the Bruins could easily be one of the top tier competitors in the Big Ten, if not nationally, within this year and next year, and could easily end a Big Ten drought for national championship. So it will be a little easier not having to play Stanford and everything in between, although they will sell out some environments when it goes to an Iowa if they play a big game in different places. But it should be a bit easier for UCLA women's basketball heading to the Big Ten Conference. As long as Close can continue to put in those recruiting classes, you get better and better records handling the travel. Maybe you get a better seed, an easier draw in the tournament, then all of a sudden you can sneak in a national championship and we'll get super excited because they've got some top-tier recruits coming in in 24, already some big-name recruits in 23, and an exciting class from 22, including a, a transfer transfer in Lauren Betts coming over from Stanford, the top recruit in 21, to build this program into something special for the next seasons, next couple of seasons to go. So look out for women's basketball and softball to probably dominate. Women's volleyball will be interesting, and women's soccer, we'll see how they handle the travel that tr- generally affects soccer players quite a bit depending on how they're getting able to get travel accommodations. That's going to do it for Locked On UCLA. I hope you guys have a fun, happy, safe, and enjoyable Independence Day, wherever you may be. I hope you guys uh, enjoy it, stay safe, and have a good time. Thanks for tuning into to the Locked On UCLA podcast. As per usual, become an everyday listener. we got all the fun waiting for basketball news, football news. We're going to talk about all the fun stuff, UCLA athletics, as we build into the Big Ten time of the year. So hands up, Bruins fans. Eight clap time, baby. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, you UCLA. UCLA fight, fight, fight. This has been Locked On UCLA. Go Bruins.